0: Fix the convince. Welcome to the Fix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, New Spark Founder Paul Mosenson.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast, Fix the Convince, on Paul Mosenson. Thanks for listening in. Today we got a special guest. I don't know if she's a celebrity or not, but to me, she is a LinkedIn celebrity, and her name is Bryn Tillman, and she describes herself as the LinkedIn Whisperer, and she's CEO of Social Sales Link. For over a decade, she's been teaching entrepreneurs, sales teams, and business leaders how to leverage LinkedIn for social selling. As a former sales trainer and personal producer, Bryn adopted all of the traditional sales techniques and adapted them to the new digital world. She guides professionals to establish a thought leader and subject matter expert brand, find and engage the right targeted market, and leverage clients and networking partners for warm introductions into qualified buyers. In addition, she's an author of The LinkedIn Sales Playbook, a Tactical Guide to Social Selling. Hi, Bryn. How are you? Good, Paul. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for uh, joining me today and talking LinkedIn. Oh, um, I'm so excited
0: to be here with you.
1: Great, great. So I've got a number of questions, and um, hopefully uh, we'll have some good dialogue here. And uh, we're going to talk about this thing called LinkedIn. It's been around for quite a while. And, we all use it, some better than others of course, but um it's uh um but let's um let's talk about um LinkedIn and one of the questions I have for you is about we're always talking about who owns LinkedIn, like marketing and sales, who does what, what their roles are, things like that. But in this case, um for you is how do how do you believe um marketing and sales um align on linkedin and how are marketing leaders supporting their sales teams on linkedin
0: uh that's a a great question so you know marketing and sales is you know although used to be siloed really very different uh departments rarely did the two ever you know discuss anything are starting to come closer and closer together and you know they have the same objective, which is ultimately driving new business. And so the fact that they're starting to work together, I think a lot of that is because of social and because individuals are responsible for their own profile. And LinkedIn tells us that there are 10 times more connections from uh, employees than there are followers on a company page. So first, when we think about, you know, marketing owns the company page, and the individuals own their own page, but it's really they have there's a much bigger reach when you have the individual sales folks uh, actually sharing out the content. So keep that in mind. But how can marketing support the sales team? It really starts with understanding what the sales team needs instead of just creating content that they think the their audience needs. The sales teams are you know front and center they're talking with the prospects and the clients every single day and they require different content than the typical marketing department will create marketing often will do features and benefits which is really important at one point but it doesn't help them to drive new conversations so marketing has to really sit down and talk with sales and say what kind of content can help us fill the top of the pipeline, get you first conversations, um, can create FOMO, right? There's content that creates fear of missing out that is really powerful for salespeople to use.
1: FOMO. I've never really heard that too much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 So if you can create fear of missing out, so, you know, we buy for, for a couple of reasons, It's typically pain or pleasure, right? So if you're a travel agent, you're selling to pleasure. If you are almost anything else, you're solving to, you know, either avoid risk or remediate risk or, um, you know, create, you know, get you out of a problem. Um, But FOMO, fear of missing out, gets a lot of people to raise their hand to learn more. So if they see that their competitors are doing something in the marketplace that they didn't even know existed, I wanna know more about that. It, FOMO doesn't get you sales, it gets you conversations. So when you can you know, begin um, to think about the different kinds of content that salespeople need, another one is, is role collaboration. So this is content that marketing rarely ever covers and is so important for salespeople. So we know from challenger sale that on average, there are 6.8 people in a a large enterprise sale. So if you're selling smaller companies, maybe it's two or three, but they all have different reasons for purchasing, right? So, So if you're selling an IT solution, what your CIO wants is different from what your CFO wants, which is different from what the CEO wants, but they all may be part of making that decision. So having content that talks about the role collaboration or what's in it for each of them, or really explaining in one place, um, here's, you know, here's how a CEO should be thinking about this. And here's how a CFO in one piece, all of a sudden that creates this role collaboration. Like here's my role in this. The other thing it does is it helps the sales people, um, manage the sales process better because we say, Hey, this is where you come in. And then this is where you come in. And, you know, and, and the, the fact that it's in a content piece legitimizes what that salesperson needs to do. There are also other things like preempting objections. So if there's content, let's say you talk to your sales reps and you find out, man, there are four objections we keep hearing over and over and over again well, what kind of content can we get in front of those prospects before the stage when we hear those objections? So that when, again, when it's in writing, it's more powerful than when someone tells you this in a sales call because it must be true if it's in writing. But, you know, so if we can get content, so great meeting you in our first meeting, I'm looking forward to meeting you and the other folks next week, Wanted to share this little piece of content and around some things that will probably pop up in our conversation that can start you thinking about this before we meet. And now in that content, any objection that they might, be, that they might have, we've already handled in the content before they can say it. So that's sort of um, you know, powerful ways that marketing can create content and value for the salespeople to use during the sales
1: process. Let me ask you a question about that. And the one before that, I was gonna think about this, what you're talking about with different audiences and different needs. It's kind of like account-based marketing, right? And you're customizing messaging based on the persona in a way, right? And uh, um, So if like, if you're on LinkedIn and, you're sh- and your marketing people are giving you content, I would hope that they're giving you more information about the audience, the who it's good for, like something where salespeople can take that and understand where they're going to share it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, but you know, but we have to start from really deep dive interview with the salespeople. Understand what do we need to ask them that will provide us the guidance of the content as marketers, right? The provide marketing the guidance they need to create this good content. So the challenge traditionally has been when they're siloed, marketing says, Hey, I know marketing. I I know what they need, but sales and marketing is very different. Um, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, Yeah. We really need to come together and work as a, like a solidified team. So that, cause we all have the same goals, you know, and, and I think this is happening more and more because marketing is starting to get revenue goals and I'm finding that so interesting when I'm talking to my clients, cause I never saw that before, but all of a sudden they, you know, they have a responsibility for the top line. And I think that's healthy, you know, I think, it, and, and, you know, so they're relying on sales to feed their family and sales is relying on marketing to feed their family. So all of a sudden they really need each other, not just, um, you know, on the surface, but it, you know, it's their income now. And sure, so I, sure. I think that's going to really make an impact on the way that content is created.
1: Yeah. And it's still about problem solving and, but yeah, it's marketing and sales alignment, you know, has been in, an issue for years, right? And, yeah, so uh, I, I, I would
0: say, you say it's about problem solving. That's one piece of it. Right. Another piece is creating curiosity. It depends on where you are in the pipeline. You know, when you're talking about the very top of the pipeline for first conversation, solving problems may be okay, but if they don't know they have a problem, then it's not going to work for them. So solving problem, how happens when they know they have a problem but there might be a stage before that, before the need. So that's typically I talk about before the need where we have to create curiosity and concern that, Hey, do I have this problem? Like there's a piece before that. And so we just have to make sure that we are giving the right content to the right prospects
1: at the right time. For sure. You know what, actually with my clients, we call it demand generation. It's, it's, finding these topics as you talked about and people can realize maybe I do have that problem right before they're actually ready to search for the solution.
0: Exactly right so it's before the need and one of the things we have to do and I love that you're doing that with demand generation one of the things we have to do is to really understand what is the pain our prospects are going through before they know they need us which is sort of what you just said so I'm sort of rephrasing that. But if we can really nail, you know, before they would typically look for my solution, here's what they're going through, and if we can start marketing with a step before marketing us, we'll bring people into the pipeline at the right time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else in the first question, or should I? Yeah, them? we
0: can keep going. I'm I'm fine. I mean, I could I could spend an entire day on the first question. So. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right, everybody, you might have to pause this for a while, take a break and come back. We have all day here. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. We won't be too long, everybody. All right. So the other question is about let's continue more about content and you talk about creating vendor agnostic content versus features and benefits for sales reps to share. And like talk more about that a little bit about these categories of content sharing
0: yeah so so we typically as companies create content that for selling right so we will create content that talks about how we help people this is how we you know we've been able to provide value this is the difference we make in companies vendor agnostic content is sort of you know, a, a totally different way of thinking, which is instead of telling them how we're helping them, we actually just help them. So we're providing true value, so much value that if they never talk to you, they've had massive takeaways or shift in the way they look at something. Um, or, you know, they're printing out your blog post or taking notes when they're listening to your video. If they're doing that, then you're doing this well, which is creating vendor agnostic value that your prospects can use even if they never talk to you. That's going to get them to want to talk to you. No one wants to be pitched anymore. No one wants every message that goes out there to have a, a, you know, a hard call to action. They want to be educated. There's always I'm available to talk, but, we really want to focus especially very top of the pipeline on value insights and education and a lot of people were like well i don't want to give it all away they have to buy it well michael port who i just met in person and took a two-day class with michael and amy port from heroic public speaking which was mind-blowing but Mm -hmm. that aside says and i quote him i've been quoting on this years and i got his permission just the other day to actually quote him on it, but for, for 10 years, I've been talking about this. Give away so much value that you're afraid you gave too much and then give more. And if you can come from that perspective, it's not about pitch, it's not about talking about how I can help your company do X, it's truly value. That's what will attract your prospects to you.
1: Yeah, it's just things to think about for sure. Um, And that's provided you're linked into your prospects anyway, right? Because they're the ones who get to see your content. So that is, I guess, part of it, right? The saying. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's so much great content out there, but there's a lot of average content out there. And the real difference, I think, is we we need to show that we're subject matter experts, that we're thought leaders but there needs to be a little drip of visionary in the content. Um, Whether it's future visionary or you're providing that vision for your prospects so they can see what that their future looks like, right in from your content. You know, so if you can drip in a little bit of visionary into your subject matter expertise and thought leadership, you will drive so much curiosity and you know, so much interest in having a conversation.
1: I'm going to ask you a question about that, by the way, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, That's
0: why we're here.
1: I know. So think if you're a salesperson doing all you're saying they should be doing, right? They have to really be trained, I guess, to read what they're doing. I mean, this is kind of goes without saying, but also learn how to intro what they're sending in order to create that curiosity because it's still whether it's a blog post or something else right they're still teasing what you're going to learn from it and that's an art in itself right um
0: well yeah i mean there's a, a a higher level philosophy to think about with content and when you can detach from The outcome of your content being self-absorbed and self-serving to your content really being a value to your reader, it will become valuable to your business. When you go at content, like my goal is to attract prospects to me so I can sell more of my stuff, it's not going to work. So it's really taking a very strong philosophy of leading them to my business instead of leading with my business. When I'm leading with my business, it's all about how I can help you. When I lead to my business, it's really dropping value and insight nuggets, you know, little breadcrumbs and leading them so that they raise their hand and say, Hey, let's have a conversation.
1: Right. But they have to understand what they're sharing and, and making sure that the message they give is intriguing enough for a prospect to even pay attention to in the feeds and everything.
0: A hundred percent. And that's why the combination of sales and marketing to create that content is so
1: important. For sure. All right. Well, that's a lot of content. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but speaking of that, there's a, uh, we've had company pages on LinkedIn for quite a while and I'm not sure how important they are anymore. Maybe they still are, but, um, but how do you feel about company pages and how they should be leveraged better on LinkedIn?
0: If that's a great question, there is a resurgence of company pages. Um, and there are a few things that have been improved over the last six months or so that are starting to make those company pages really valuable to brands. So the first thing is you can now easily engage as the company or the brand. So to me, this is a big deal for many different reasons. Um, and, And you have to, if you are a marketing team, you typically are not using your personal LinkedIn to push out content. And on LinkedIn, you've got your company page. So you could always share content on your company page, but it was mostly one way, unless someone actually put in a comment and then you could like it as the company page. But as the company page, as the brand, you can go out into content using hashtags. So you can add a hashtag to your company page, click through that, and engage on any content with that company, with that hashtag, as the brand. That's going to start to build followers and it's going to start to build brand awareness. And by engaging on, let's say, prospects content, they start to see your company. And it's just a brand awareness thing, but you know, it, it certainly will help when your sales teams go out and engage that the company is already known by those people. And not just known, but man, that company engaged with me. You know, if I get a large company to engage on my content, I'm much more likely to take a call from a sales rep because they made me feel good already and they made me matter because it was my content that I shared. So engaging as the brand is really, um, it's a phenomenal new, newer feature to LinkedIn company pages that is making a huge difference.
1: Yeah, I haven't really seen that that much. I think it's just something that has to, I guess, spread and test, I would imagine, and see, uh, you know, because there's always that mix of, should I be a person or a company when I engage? The
0: marketing (laughs) should be the company, and the salespeople should be the individuals. The customer-facing people need to be the individuals. Marketing should work on the brand awareness. Right. In my mind.
1: So, when you share posts and things like that, and of course you want to target it best you can, but what other ways do you recommend um, when you share content on LinkedIn to drive traffic to um, your articles and posts and things like that?
0: So it's different from marketing and and individuals. So from a company page, the best way to drive traffic is to engage. Um, The other way is if you know if on the company page you share. Uh, a really great piece of content. You can push that out once a week to your employees, so any of the employees that are connected to the company page can get a little notification that the company page shared a piece of content and that will drive them all back to engage on the one piece of content on the company page, which is what I highly recommend. One of the mistakes I see so many companies make is, hey, we have a piece of content, you know, here's a link, go share it on your LinkedIn. And so now you have 80 people sharing the same article, um, but you know, there's 80 different posts about the same article. Whereas if you share it on the company page, and there's lots of ways to do it, you can push it or you can click on the little three dots and copy the URL and you send that in an email. If you can drive 80 people to one piece of content versus 80 people sharing the content, in their own individual post, all of a sudden that LinkedIn's going to go, wow, this is going gangbusters. This is an important piece. We're going to keep it high on the newsfeed of other people that are following this company and that are using those hashtags. And so you'll get, you know, 10 times the engagement or more by having, you know, a bunch of people engage on one post versus a bunch of people each post the same Mm -hmm. article.
1: Gotcha. You know, you mentioned hashtags. I want to talk about that for a minute. Hashtags came popular like with Instagram, right? I think Facebook tried to do it, but I don't see too many hashtags on Facebook. But the importance of hashtags really is it's almost like segmenting content categories. It's a search for things in a whole bucket based on that category. So LinkedIn started doing it, I guess, recently. But How valuable is hashtags and do people actually use them? And what's your thoughts?
0: So very, very valuable, particularly from a company page perspective, um, because um, that's the only way they can engage unless they've been mentioned. So that's really important. People are using them. People are following them. So when you use a hashtag, if there are 100,000 people following that hashtag, you're getting to their newsfeed. Now, if there's a ton of content using that hashtag, you'll get pushed down pretty quickly. But if you can find the perfect balance of a hashtag that a lot of people are following, but maybe there's only one or two pieces being shared of content being shared with that hashtag in an hour, you'll have a lot of people seeing your content. Um, It's really important on LinkedIn to be somewhere in the three to five range of hashtags unlike Twitter or Instagram or Facebook where you can use excessive amounts of hashtags, LinkedIn penalizes you if you use more than five. They say you're hashtag stuffing.
1: Really? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So you want to make sure that you know as, as you do use hashtags on LinkedIn that you're you're being really thoughtful about how to use those and that you're using the right things. Um, I do think hashtags are a huge way to. Um, focusing on getting your content in front of the right people. The other thing that I typically recommend, if you are an organization that has a lot of original content, have your own hashtag that everyone uses. Um, Because everyone uses in your company, but nobody uses somewhere else. So like we have SSL insights for social sales link insights. And I don't know, maybe we have 80 followers or something on that. And that's not the point for me as much as if someone wants to see our content, so they read something, they like it, they click on SSL Insights, they see every piece of content, original posts that we've had. So that becomes really um, a great way to curate and find content. It's also when people say, do you have any information on X, Y, and Z? I'm like, man, I posted about that. How do I find that? If I hit my SSL Insights, I click through to my SSL Insights hashtag, everything that has ever used that hashtag is in one thread. So I'm able to find my old content as
1: well. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea.
0: I actually learned that from my daughter's wedding oh. No, because she had a hashtag for her wedding so that she could find all of her pictures. And I'm like, why am I not doing that for business? So I thought that was awesome.
1: Right. Right. Going to the, um, the actual, posting themselves, right? I want to have a discussion with you. When I'm on news feeds, of course, people are busy and they scroll. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I tell people, you're, you know, your ad could be there, your message, but maybe you're one scroll away. you know. <laughs> and um, I know there's always these factors and things like that and algorithms. But, um, and speaking of that, um, I know videos have... Stronger engagement, I believe LinkedIn um, probably gives um, favoritism to um, video posts, but you can tell me that a little more about that. But you know, we're trying to figure out, should I do blogs? Should I even do videos at all? And if I do, what format should they be in? And do people pay attention? And do I need to make them professional or just me and the beach? So do you want to talk about content? words and posts and versus video postings
0: yeah so first um there's video that's native to linkedin linkedin does favor as you mentioned very highly and that means that you're actually uploading the video it's not a link to youtube or vimeo it's not an outside link it's literally uploaded so it has to be anywhere from six seconds to 10 minutes um, to upload into native video on LinkedIn. So uh, you can absolutely have that same video on YouTube, but that's not—you wouldn't share that YouTube link necessarily. That's number one. Number two is so, you know, is it raw? Am I out and about, you know, on on the street kind of video, or am I in a studio getting video done? And my answer is yes. Right. So they all work for different reasons. My biggest engagement is the raw video but I actually edited a little bit. So it's just raw, like I, I, the lighting isn't done, I'm on my, my webcam, um, and I'm describing or sharing an insight or talking about a new way to think about something. And the little bit of video editing that I do is I like to add captions when I can. And the reason is most people, that are on LinkedIn or watching this, or many people, I shouldn't say most, I don't know the statistics, many people are at work. And when they're scrolling through, they don't have necessarily audio on. So you're going to get a much higher rate of watch when there is um, some captions there, when there are captions there.
1: Yeah, but isn't that a lot more work to do for... uh, Certainly. (laughs) I mean, you know, you got to, oh, I got to do the captions now, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but my videos are usually two minutes. So a two minute video takes me about six minutes to do the captions. Um, I play around with it in a lot of different ways. There are a lot of, you can upload the video to something called otter.ai and they transcribe it for you. There are lots of different ways and it, it, you get it in an SRT file. So there are different ways to do that. I don't wanna discourage people from doing video because they feel like that's a lot of work but i will tell you there is a a much higher engagement rate when you do it so it would be malpractice for me to say otherwise cuz the 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 transcription and the captions is a huge uh, piece of engagement it also will continue to draw the the eye in cuz they see the movement right so and if you're just sitting at your like, dash cam talking, there's not a lot of movement. But when you have captions, there there are. So I highly recommend considering that. But that said, video still is the way that we consume content. It's just the, it's, that's where we are now. We have this whole TikTok sensation. It's all video based. People are now much more video learners than blog readers. Blogs are still vital be, from primarily search engine optimization more than anything else. So we recommend that you do get every one of your videos transcribed, edit it slightly and put it up with the video in your blog so that you have the, uh, the actual words for search engine optimization so that Google will index, although they say they're indexing video, mm. Paul, you'd know more than I'd know about that. Yeah. Um, you definitely need to have, have both. So I recommend, um, and make sure that you are creating video that is impactful to the reader. If this is the first time you're doing video, the very first videos we have our clients do is three parts. Here's a question my client asked me today. Here is the answer I gave my client today. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you could get that down now, that that's like one Oh one, but every sales rep will get three to five questions a day. That can be great content. Don't say the client's name without permission, but generally when you can do that, you're going, you know, if they have the question, there are tons of other people that have that question. Um, so just keep kind of keep that in mind. and And it's, Once you do it a few times, a lot of people go, I hate being on video. I hate seeing myself on video. You get over it really quickly. So that's my
1: advice. Right. I think it's good to be natural anyway because you are who you are, right? And um, And just be yourself.
0: I agree. I very much agree on that.
1: Yeah. I used to tease people said, you know, you don't move your hands enough. You know, you got to do all those hand movements on video, right? (laughs) I don't know. That's me. Like it's not it's not what you're saying. I guess that's why they do that.
0: Well, so that's a little bit to my point earlier, which is one of the reasons captions work, is because that creates a movement in the video that attracts them in.
1: Yeah. All righty. So we got video, we got blogs. Um, What about curated content and other types of content? You know, as far as this whole mix goes, what are your thoughts?
0: big fan on curated content especially if you serve a particular industry um, i think the you know sharing content that they care about that kind of circles your solution is not a bad way to go um, i use feedly.com which is just a
1: yeah, nice, same
0: yeah just a nice place to curate uh, industry uh, sites that have good, really that add really good value so that I could see in one place, lots of new content that, um, my prospects would care about. Um, there are some great, um, in every industry has some great, you know, real industry benchmark things that would be of interest to your buyers. Um, the other curating content, this is really tailored but sometimes the best content, if you're selling into bigger companies, this isn't great with smaller companies. But if you're selling into bigger companies, curate their own company content and share it with your prospects. So you know, Paul um, just recently came across this press release that your company just won this huge reward. You know having been in big companies, I know I always missed some of the greatest news. So I wanted to make sure I got in front of you. If you already saw it, great. If not, um, I hope you find it valuable. Have a great day, right? And it's a link to their own content. So that's like curating content, but very tailored to a particular prospect. You can send it to 10 people in the same company. Um, But people are blown away that you took the time to do that. So there's that's, other. That's ways interesting.
1: To sure. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So there's definitely other ways to curate content. Um, you could even publicly put it out there with a congratulations. I'll do that more for clients than I would a prospect. But um, lots of ways to curate content. So. Um,
1: well, you know what else? Like what I do is, even though you're curating other people's content from guest posts or articles or online publishers, whatever, when you share it and you read it and give a comment on it that adds some value, even though you didn't write it, but it's perceived that you know the topic, that's why you're sharing it, because you're like your own thought leader. It's like your own brand, even though you're not the original writer, but that's what social media is all about, is sharing, Um, but sharing for a reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Purposeful, for sure. Right
1: this is really good conversation and uh, there's a lot of things to think about and what other like final thoughts do you have as far as, you know, marketing and sales and using LinkedIn properly with content? Like what would be like a summary that you would give?
0: Um, So the first thing is start thinking of content that that your prospects want to consume versus what you just want to share. And look at the content to det- determine is this helping move my prospects through the pipeline? So there's, you know, is it, you know, getting first uh, conversations started? And then after that, is it, you know, getting them um, as you mentioned, you know, to seeing new solutions, um, identifying their problem, like look at your sales process and what your client cares about it at each stage? And do you have content to support that?
1: Yeah, it's a big undertaking for sure. Marketing and sales definitely have to be on the same page and uh you know, it, it comes uh, from management, right? It's a strategy of what you're doing. Again, it's all back to how do I use LinkedIn to engage prospects and clients and you know, giving them the tools and the, and the messaging and the strategy and how to do it um, is it's just something companies just have to do or do better. Yeah. Great. Well, this is really uh, good information about LinkedIn. I'm, you know, through future podcasts, there'll be lots of LinkedIn uh, topics for sure. But, um, but, you know, this, you know, with salespeople and marketing together, sales enablement, we can call it, uh, sharing assets sharing messaging and being relevant to your prospects to stay out there um, by providing good value can always lead to increased leads and sales which is the ultimate goal Why we're doing it in the first place
0: yeah absolutely
1: so um well thanks for um stopping by and um doing this conversation and uh um and you have a good day
0: thank you paul i appreciate you having me on this is a lot of fun Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.